Welcome to Win the Day with Wasson, presented by MarketScale in partnership with WTD Consulting. Let's deep dive into the principles and perspectives that have shaped the winning mindsets with our guests focused on driving people performance. Confident our guests can help you unlock the coveted it factor that we believe is a learnable trait enabling the separation for success in a world of human commoditization. I'd like to welcome our Win the Day community we are in for a tremendous treat. We've had athletes, we've had business professionals, we've had coaches, we've had entrepreneurs. We've never had the backgrounds of our, our current guest, Mr. Andre Caldwell, a tremendously successful trial attorney, a gentleman that I've known as a friend and someone that will dive into that relationship. But Andre Caldwell, welcome to Win the Day with Wasson. Hey, thank you, Chase, for having me, man. It's great to connect after all these years. Well, it, it's been quite a journey, I know, for you, Andre, and, and I know credentials obviously define your success now as a trial lawyer, a, a senior counsel at Boeing, and the track record of success is very long. But I knew you when you were still putting in the shadow work at the University <laughs> of um, You know, no credentials to your name, coming from Walford as a very successful track athlete. I, I know that athletic background is something that is really stem success from the competitive mindset you have for our audience andre that only sees the the credentials and and all the wins in the courtroom and the various entities you've had the privilege to represent give us the backstory andre before there was those credentials what created that it factor for you yeah for sure so uh you know be careful what you ask for because when you ask a lawyer a question you don't get a short answer but uh, you know, from a background perspective, I grew up in Rock Hill, South Carolina, known as the Thrill, sometimes Football City, USA. And uh, as you can tell from my background and my short stature, I was not one of those NFL athletes that Rock Hill produced. But I had the great fortune of growing up with two very dedicated, hardworking parents who set an example for me moving forward. So. I uh, grew up in Rock Hill and knew I always wanted to participate in athletics. Uh, I was a cross country and track athlete in high school, also played soccer. And from as early as middle school, I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. So uh, my parents sort of encouraged that path. I started doing internships as early as middle school and freshman year in high school and just kind of explored it. That led the opportunity for me to go to Wofford um, through you know, athletic success. I was able to secure a full ride to Wofford. Um, that helped defray some costs as I was looking at law school in the future and ultimately ended up at the University of Oklahoma College of Law in 2005. And of course, that's where we had the great fortune of connecting in 2007 when we were roommates. And from there, it's just been a whirlwind of a journey through my career. Well, what a journey it's been. And, and I, I never forget when I first met Andre, I, I think most of the time your, your head was definitely in the books. And I think all your <laughs> are, are probably appreciative for that work. But, you know, as you embarked in that journey, Andre, at law school in Oklahoma, for, for our audience, especially a lot of young potential entrepreneurs or, or even college athletes, student athletes looking to follow in your footsteps, what were some some guidance you would give to yourself at 20, 21 years old as you embraced into that journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I actually think about this often. I have the great fortune of mentoring uh, people who come behind me. I've had the great fortune of being mentored from those who are ahead of me. And, and one thing that always stuck out to me was just staying determined and disciplined. Um, you know, after, funny enough, after, uh, after law school, when I went to the U.S. Attorney's Office, I started doing competitive judo. I put the running down for a while. 
And I ended up getting a tattoo in kanji of discipline because it was a word that was really my mantra throughout life growing up. Just tackling the task, sticking to it, recognizing there's going to be challenges. Don't letting those don't let those challenges drop you or deter you from your path. Really stay in course because you know every failure, which can be termed a failure or an opportunity, really lends itself to create an opportunity for success in the future. So. Um, that that discipline piece was big for me. I watched my parents work hard. They were dedicated to their respective crafts. I mean, when, when we had hard times, while there was this opportunity to complain about something, I never really heard them complain. I saw them pick themselves up and keep moving. And so I was very fortunate to have those those two as examples for me. Well, I think those are principles, Andre, that, that not only continue to elevate you in, in your career, but are also life lessons, right, on the discipline component that anyone that's looking to follow in your footsteps, whether it's in, in you know law, in business, et cetera, it all starts with the expectation of hard work. I, I think, you know, that's essentially the expectation. In, in, in layman's terms, dishwashers work hard, but it, it comes down to are you working with a purpose? Do you have a vision? And those are things I've heard you comment on. So I appreciate you sharing that. So you finish at OU, Andre. You you obviously graduate top of your class. I, I know that accolades and 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 passion for for being at the top is something that's always been a driver for you. But Andre, not many folks graduate from law school and immediately go to the U.S. Attorney's office. Walk our audience through that journey um, for yourself. Yeah, that's a good one. And so, you know, to transition back to the comment I just made about being disciplined, my very first year of law school, I, I had the great fortune of being in torts with a professor by the name of Lisa Richter. And that first year of law school, as you're whittling down all these super intelligent people from their undergrad classes, and they're coming into this, this class, and they're striving to be at the top, not everyone can be at the top. And I was not at the top. I had a very rough first semester. This is before I met you, Chase. So you saw the refreshed Andre at the time <laughs> that we were roommates, but there was a very stressed Andre back in 2005, 2006. And I didn't do well. Uh, I, I let myself down. I felt like I let my parents down. I felt like I let my professor down. But this professor, back to the comment of mentorship, really saw something in me and really saw an opportunity. And I stayed the course. You know, you, you hear the phrase, Success is how far you bounce once you hit the bottom. I stayed the course and I stuck to it, was able to rebound in the second semester of my first year and balance things out. And that professor, funny enough, her husband was the U.S. attorney for the Western District of Oklahoma at the time. And so my second year of law school, I began working as an extern for her um, and as a teaching assistant. And because she saw something in me, saw the discipline, saw the determination, she suggested that I should go be an extern at the U.S. Attorney's Office. So I had the opportunity to do that my second year of law school, made some great relationships, showed my dedication, showed my discipline. And while I was set to go to a firm um, after graduation that I ultimately went to during my path, I got this unique phone call from her husband saying, you know, we really enjoyed you. You worked really hard. We've got a unique opportunity where you can come in for approximately 14 months. You can backfill a position. You will work as an assistant U.S. attorney, which for those of you unfamiliar with the, the legal landscape, it's a federal prosecutor, very highly coveted position, typically take people with significant legal experience before coming into that role. Someone who's practiced in 
been in the trenches. I had none of that. I was a newbie out of law school, but nevertheless, I was offered the opportunity and was told that if I liked it and I performed successfully, that I might have the opportunity to apply for a full-time position should one come open. Well, sure enough, I went in, I worked hard, I made relationships, a full-time position came open, I applied, and I was awarded the coveted slot of being a full-time assistant U.S. attorney, which I did for about four years. So, you know, I often tell people relationships are everything. People will judge you by how you respond, how you react, how you work, how you carry yourself. I was very fortunate that I was able to pick myself up when I had a low moment, but also um, have others view um, some value in me and recognize my my character for working hard. So it it was a great opportunity, one that set my path for where I am today, and I'm very fortunate to have had that experience. Well, the one thing I heard through that, Andre, is often adversity either makes or breaks an individual. And I think those are life lessons that, you know, it didn't break you. It, it obviously created an opportunity that that you reset your mind, so to speak, and rewired yourself to ultimately be in a position that, you know, very few have even sat in that courtroom representing, um, you know, the, the, the types of cases that, that you tried. So kudos to you for really digging in. And the other thing I heard, Andre, and this is something that I think our audience has heard throughout the themes of individuals that have, you know, propelled themselves to success is always looking to lever relationships and, and finding those connection points that maybe in the short term won't give you success, but over the long haul, these are individuals you can dial into to ultimately position yourself and your brand for that next opportunity. So, so thank you for deep diving into that. As we kind of touch on that U.S. attorney position, Andre, and, and not to get specific on anything, but I know you, you tried a number of cases that put yourself really in the national spotlight. Can you just give our audience, you know, some perspective of maybe from that athletic background, you know, I, I know speaking for myself, you know, you, you, you prep all week, right? You get under center or, or, or you're prepping for that one moment to, 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 to make the catch or, or make the big play. What's the mindset for a trial attorney prepping for the moment? Absolutely. You know, as a former runner, right? When the gun goes off, get in the game, you know, there, there's, there's no other time to wait or think about it. Or are we prepared when that gun goes off? You got to be mentally set to race and compete. And that's the way I viewed it from a trial perspective. When I was at the U S attorney's office or whenever I argued on behalf of a client or whenever I counseled people, the gun got, went off. I was locked in. Your thoughts are swirling before that starting moment. You know, you, you have a lot of different distractions, a lot of things coming at you. When the gun goes off, it's time to go. And I think that competitive background was super helpful because I learned how to interact with the team. And, and cross country and track is it's very unique in this concept because you're an individual contributor, but you're also a team member, right? And I was able to bring both of those aspects into my legal career because I could lead when I needed to lead, but I could also follow when I needed to follow. And so prepping for trial, uh, well, the same thing. I often tried cases by myself. I also tried cases with teammates. I tried some very emotionally draining cases. I saw the worst in people, but I also saw opportunities for redemption. And it was great with that relationship building aspect I talked about earlier, that not only are you building a relationship with your team that you're trying, 
the case with, but you're also building a relationship with the opposing counsel. Although we're adversaries, it's not personal. We're here to do justice. We're here to make sure that the justice system prevails and that justice is carried out, whether that's an acquittal or whether it's a conviction. I always treated every defendant that I tried a case against with respect. And I think that helped me as I transitioned into my defense practice, because a lot of these people who end up in the justice system haven't been respected and they just want attention and they want someone to care about them and they want someone to see them. In some cases, those are deserved. In some cases, those aren't. But understanding that human aspect, that human relationship, that team aspect was critical in helping me perform throughout my legal career. No, I love that. And one thing I heard you comment on is, is obviously the teaming, you know, aligning yourself with, with the client, you know, p- treating people the way you want to be treated, et cetera. But another theme I heard you talk through, Andre, and, and I want to really dive into this is, you know, past performance is often a great predictor for future success. So you've parlayed your you know, success as the U.S. trial attorney and really positioned yourself as, I would assume, one of the youngest partners to join uh, or, or be a part of, of a tremendously respected firm in Oklahoma, really a national firm. But walk us through what that exit from the U.S. attorney's office looked like and how you ended up more in the private sector, um, you know, representing individuals. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a transition. So, you know, in law school, they don't really teach you how to be a federal prosecutor. (laughs) So it was a learning curve. Um, You know, like every football game, you know, when you're having practice and you're running scrimmages and you're scouting, you got to prepare yourself for that day. Um, with track, you're looking at the course, figuring out where you want to accelerate, where you want to recover, et cetera. Same thing went with every career that I've entered along my legal um, practice here. So the U.S. Attorney's Office had to scout the field and understand it, understand the course, what's in front of me. And I was able to do that successfully. When I shifted to Crow and Dunleavy, which was a firm that I joined after leaving the U.S. Attorney's Office, I went back to civil practice. So I learned civil law in law school, didn't learn federal prosecution, had to get up to speed on federal prosecution, did it for four and a half years. Then I had to shift back into this law school mindset about civil practice. And it was a learning curve, but scouted scouted the build, learned the course, got up to speed, dedication, discipline, relationships, mentoring, use all those things to get up to speed. And I tackled every challenge the goal of being successful, not winning, not losing, being successful. Because sometimes if you get so one-sided in your your mindset about how you approach it, it can create failures down the road, or you can be detrimental to the process overall. And so um, that was really an aspect I took away transitioning out of the U.S. Attorney's Office into, into Crow and Dunleavy, where I did civil at high stakes trials. Um, and also some white collar criminal defense. So I shifted from the prosecution to the defense side, and that was quite an experience. Well, you know, it, not only I'm, I'm sure the experience, but but the other thing that that I heard you really say loud and clear, Andre, is constant learner. And I think that's a testament to you know your continued success, but also your ability to you know put the client first, but really challenge yourself emotionally, mentally. And, and even physically, you know, being on point every day to, to, to be your best or essentially win the day. So, so thank you for sharing that journey. 
As you look at the private sector, Andre, and, and obviously you represented you know, a multitude of clients, a multitude of, of, of large entities through that process, are there any guidance you would give to, to potential you know, lawyers looking kind of to follow those footsteps on, on the differences in the, the U.S. attorney side versus some learnings you had in that private sector? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit on it when you talk about the constant learning. Um, one thing that drives me is just not staying, not getting stale. Um, you know, stale is obsolete. Stale is outdated. No one wants stale. They want fresh. They want energetic. They want outgoing. And that doesn't mean that you change who you are. I think you work within those parameters. For me, I'm an extrovert. I, I would say I'm an extroverted introvert because I do like my alone time, but I can extrovert with the best of them. I like talking to people, I like interacting with people. And I leverage that to fit within the parameters of where I wanted to take my career. So getting up and talking to jurors in a trial, piece of cake. All I had to do was prepare myself to adequately and effectively do that. When I went into my private practice, the same thing is when you're talking to clients who are coming in on their worst day, needing you to represent them. It's about understanding their needs. It's about communicating that you are there to address their needs. It's about showing confidence in your capabilities. You know, no one wants uh, someone who's kind of sulking over and wishy-washy and um, not really clear on, on what the parameters are, what their expectations are, and what they intend to do. They want someone who's confident, not cocky, but confident and, and ready to tackle the uh, challenge that's been placed before them. So I always felt like I had a really good relationship with my clients, but that came from understanding those aspects of that human interaction that was necessary to, to uh, moving forward. Well, there's been a couple themes that I hear that are very constant that, that you've talked to, one of which we just touched on. You know, confidence is key. I don't care whatever role in life you're at. You know, if, if you don't believe it, you can't achieve it. And that all starts with kind of that mental mindset. Through our podcast and through the journey, we talk a lot about brain training in, in a way to you know, essentially get your mind right to whatever your task is to win the day. You've also talked about winning is not being the end goal. And and I'm a big believer in winning is a byproduct of the process. Mm -hmm. And one thing you've talked about, and I think our listeners have heard through the journey and you're living proof, Andre, is process pace. So you have success through that journey. And then I know you've, you've also ventured to a, to a, a variety of other probably private firms. Can you walk our audience through what that looked like to ultimately put you in you know, the position you're in now, which we'll get into. Absolutely. So, you know, I built relationships in law school that led to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, fortunately, Crow and Dunleavy, as I mentioned, was the firm I was set to go to before I went to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Because I stayed in contact with the firm, I didn't damage relationships that were built in law school and they were willing to welcome me back. Of course, I had trial experience under my belt. I flourished as an assistant U.S. Attorney. And so, it was a mutual win for both of us, but uh, it, it was helpful to have not damaged those relationships to come back. So I go to Crow, uh, you know, um, help, I'm successful, I do well, I make partner in I think three years. Um, and that was a huge win for me, right? Very goal-oriented, next level. But then this opportunity came about with Ogletree Deacons, which is the second largest labor and employment firm in the world. And they were opening an Oklahoma City office. 
And as one who likes a challenge and who saw the opportunity really scale up, you know, um, I was happy where I was at, happy as a clam, things were going well, but this was an opportunity presented to me to continue challenging myself. So I set off, joined the firm, having never practiced employment law before. Um, and there's kind of that shift back to the mindset I mentioned earlier about learning all over again. And, uh, was fortunate to have a, a really good time at Ogletree as well. So I was there about five years um, and I did employment litigation, but I also was one of the co-chairs of our national investigations, uh, workplace investigations practice group. And of course that fit naturally into my former assistant U.S. attorney role, my former trial skill role, just being able to service clients with that experience in my background. Um, I started over. I mean, I gave up a partnership at Crow. I came to Ogletree. I was an of counsel attorney, not a partner, didn't have a book of business, had never practiced employment law. And three years later, they saw something in me and, and made me a partner at Ogletree. And so um, I was very happy to have been involved there. Um, fast forward, give or take February, March of last year, um, I was approached about the position I'm currently in. Um, to take it back to that comment about relationships. So years ago at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I worked with three guys, um, Jeb Bowman, Michael Clayton, and Sandy Coates. And all those guys uh, as assistant U.S. Attorneys ultimately transitioned through Boeing. And so Sandy was the one who came to me in February, March of last year and said, hey, I'm moving into a different group in Boeing. Um, I would, uh, I've been asked to find my replacement. Um, I think you'd be a great candidate. What do you think? And of course, my immediate response was, nope, I'm good, I'm happy, everything's going fine, uh, but I'll listen to you because I'll, I'll never turn down the opportunity to listen and explore something. Um, and so we talked, things progressed. You know, the, the role of being in-house was not really on my radar, uh, but one thing that was intriguing to me, again, was a challenge because this was a big challenge moving over to the defense contractor side. And so seeing that there was a lot of opportunity for challenge and stretching myself and not being comfortable and, you know, not being tough to convenience, uh, it was great to just kind of come into the role that I'm at now. And so because I haven't clarified that I am uh, a senior counsel for Boeing Defense Space and Security in our mobility, surveillance, and bombers group. And so I have legal responsibility for um, the AWACS and AEWNC airplanes with surveillance airplanes, as well as our executive transport fleet, which is you know, commonly known as the, the, the presidential and congressional air, airplanes. Um, in addition to that, having foreign head of state, which is other countries' versions of the Air Force One. And so um, you can hear from what I told you about my past, Nothing in my path prepared me for this role, but relationship put me in this role. I, I take that back. Let, let me caveat that. Nothing academically in my past prepared me for this role, but accepting challenges and tackling them did prepare me for this role. And so I've been here about 10 months and a couple of days, and it has been a really fast paced, exciting adventure so far. Well, I appreciate you sharing that tremendous asset that Boeing got in, in you joining, but a couple of themes I've also heard through that, Andre, 
and, and you're, you continue to hit on this, you've never gotten complacent. And I think that mindset is really what's continued to propel you, but also you embrace challenges. Um, you've also aligned yourself with really mega brands. And that's one thing that, that I really want to touch on is I think Andre Collinwell as a defense attorney has a tremendous brand being recognized as top lawyer, a lot of individual accolades, a national presence. But you've also strategically aligned yourself with really respected entities. And maybe we touch on that, you know, ultimately landing you at Boeing, uh, which just hearing kind of your your testimony and what you're responsible for, ultimately, you know, the most prized possessions, you know, protecting, you know, our, our country and presidents, et cetera. So give our audience some perspective, Andre, of why brands are so important, both from an individual standpoint, but how your individual brand helped lever you to ultimately large corporate success with an entity like Boeing. Absolutely. Branding's everything. You know, your your word is your bond. Um, you know, your name and your reputation stick out. People will know you by that. I, I guarantee you, you can go down the street and say it's someone's name and someone will have an opinion on them because of some a way they've seen them act, something they've heard about them, something they've seen about them. And so we, it's incumbent upon us individually to make sure that we give them good information <laughs> in the way that we've acted, the way we've done things, the way we've put ourselves out there. And so I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to get into these different brands, these, these well-known firms that interact with these very well-known clients, but it's not just showing up, it's performing as well. Right. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning as I was preparing for this, I'm like, well, I've been given a lot of opportunity, right? But it's also been earned. Um, I've, I've worked hard. Um, I've been uh, very permitted to the work that I've done. Uh, I've, I've tried to be humble about the role that I've been in. Uh, I haven't taken anything for granted. And I've continued to challenge myself and it's paid dividends because of that. And, you know, I, I'm sure another point they'll touch on later, but I, I think it's just imperative to say it here. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I was given um, a scholarship back in undergrad by a guy named George Papadopoulos. So at Wofford, obviously four year college, well, I'm your senior year, or actually any year, we have this interim period in January and you have the opportunity to travel or do something during this one month period. And I won a scholarship that paid for me to go to South Africa and study um, the apartheid movement, which was great because at that time I was writing my philosophy honors thesis on Malcolm X, MLK, and, and the U.S. civil rights movement. But I digress. Um, we had a dinner, scholarship dinner, a guy by the name of George Papadopoulos. His name was on a building on the campus. He was from Houston, anesthesiologist. He was an immigrant, came over to the U.S. when he was young, built himself up by, pulled himself up by his bootstraps, very successful. And I vividly remember sitting at dinner with him and he commented, too much is given, much is expected. And I mean, that it gives me goosebumps to even just say that, but it resonated with me. And so, you know, as much as I talked about my parents setting an example for me in the past, I know it's important for me to set an example for my kids and set an example for people I interact with so I can create a pipeline behind me. 
And I don't want to create a failing example. I want to show them commitment, hard work, dedication, relationships, everything lead to success. Put yourself in the position, show up, do the work, the rest will happen. So I had to share that story. I appreciate you giving me that. No, I, I love that. And you know what it reminds me of, Andre, and I think you've touched on it, but but we all have a voice in our head, right? And and you as an athlete knows this, maybe even better as a runner that says, stop. The pain's there. You need some water. Well, on the corporate side, or even as a as legal counsel, there's also that voice in your head that probably says, you know, I've had enough success. I've already reached the pinnacle. Andre, that voice in your head is probably that individual that that you know challenged you with those words. And and I've got it now in my mind that, you know, there's always more. There's always something else you can do. And and you touched on kind of the give back or or raising a pedigree of success. Let's touch on that because I know you've had a tremendous amount of impact on giving, on you know, mentorship, on on really outreach. Can you comment to our audience, Andre, some of the initiatives and, and even mentorships that you're involved with even currently? Yeah, for sure. So um, I do have that voice in my head that tells me to stop. Sometimes I ignore it to my detriment, <laughs> but um, I have, I've been very involved in the community. A lot of it stemming from that comment that Dr. Papadopoulos made to me, as well as watching my parents. My mom was a non-denominational pastor when I was growing up. She's very heavily involved in the community, and I think they set foundations in me for that. And so, you know, it depends on the snapshot in time as to what I'm involved in. But I'll tell you, currently, I serve on the board of directors for the Urban League of the Greater Oklahoma City. Um, I also serve on the board of directors for the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. I serve as the chair of the board of directors for the uh, Positive Tomorrow's Endowment. Um, I serve on the grants committee for the Inasmuch Foundation, which is a significant nonprofit that gives away uh, extensive amount of money to nonprofits around the country. Um, I let's see. I serve as the executive um, sponsor for our diversity, equity, and inclusion group here at at Boeing. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving something out, but that is just a. <laughs> a sign of how many things I'm involved in. But I will tell you this, even in being involved in a lot of things, I do them intentionally, I do them willingly, and I do them. I don't just put my name and attach my name to them, I actually do them. I have a passion for them, I'm interested in them, I show up and do the work. And I carve out the appropriate time and prioritize them because they are important. Uh, I do have a voice. Um, you know, I, I do want to create opportunities for those coming behind me, and this is a way of doing that. So I've been very, very fortunate to be involved with a lot of those things. Well, and I'm sure all those that have even the time to, to, to hear yourself speak or to hear this story, it's going to be very clear on you've done the work, you've put yourself in this position, but ultimately impacting people is really what drives you. And I think that's a testimony to all the different extracurricular or ancillary things you're involved with. Um, I, I'm sure happy wise, happy lights is something that <laughs> resonates with you as well. Um, you know, Andre, how does an individual like yourself balance success in the corporate arena, outtick your coverage, uh, you know, so to speak, uh, in, in, in your spouse, but, but give us some guidance or, or perspective on, on 
success outside of work for Andre? Yeah, out, out kicking your coverage, so to speak, is an accurate. I have definitely out kicked my coverage. So uh, I've been married to my wife, Mary. Let's see, this year will be 12 years. Um, she's from Dallas area um, and met her in law school, much smarter than me, much better grades. She did not, you know, bomb a semester like I did, but um, she has been my rock. And she is someone that I can rely upon, that I can bounce things off of, that I can be vulnerable with, that I can celebrate with, and I can also cry with. And it's important to have that person in your life. Um, we've been very fortunate to have three kids. I've got a 10-year-old son, Ethan, an eight-year-old son, Lincoln, and a five-year-old diva, Mahela. Um, and I just, I can't imagine being as happy as I am right now. I never saw this. This wasn't on my bingo card. I, I figured there would be something Never envisioned it being as great as it is. You know, you, you mentioned the word balance, and um, that is a misnomer, right? Because I, I think the concept of balance, people often think the scales are like this at all times. And I tell people all the time, that's not balance. Balance is the scales like this on average in the overall picture, because some weeks are going to be more heavy work and, you know, less family time, play time. In other words, it's going to be more family time, play time, and less work if you're lucky. Um, but you got to build those things in. You know, I'll tell you, I try to take care of myself from a mental health perspective. I think that's critical to achieving. The I'm not currently doing this, but uh, prior to last year, the knee injury, I, I'm, I was a marathoner. I'm a marathon for about 10 years. Uh, and I would get up 4.30 each morning, out the door, getting about 60 to 90 miles a weekend, uh, training for marathons, competing at the highest level, just because that drove me, but it also gave me my time. And the reason why I would do it at 4.30 is because I didn't want to take away from my work time or my family time. Um, you know, early on in my career, I was just striving and driving. I would go work all day. I'd teach at night at the university, then I'd come home and run. And my wife said, what are you doing? You're not spending time with us. But the kids, you know, here for dinner, and, you know, I understand you got to get that time, but you got to find another way to do it. And I said, you know what? I'll lose sleep. I'll make the sacrifice because it's that important and that critical to the overall process. So that's something that has driven me for a while currently because I'm not running. I have a torn meniscus at the tour last year before Boston. So my, uh, I've kind of put that down. I've gone back to weightlifting. Uh, I've playing a lot of golf as much as I can. And I'm journaling, which is something I never thought I would do, but it's so awesome to be able to put words out on paper and just get your thoughts out that dance around in your head all day. Um, and I've found my balance in that. So uh, as, as I shift you know, to 40 here in a couple of weeks, um, it, it, it's just this idea that life is fluid. You got to live in the moment address the challenges and hurdles that come at you if we got to adapt to them. And that's kind of how I'm seeing myself doing that right now. Man, I, I love that. I feel like I'm looking in the mirror, uh, might have you with a better tan, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we've talked about this at the beginning, you know, magnets attract. And I think back to when you and I, you know, really had no idea who each other were. And I saw the way you approach life, the mindset you had, and, and it's no surprise to see, you know, the success you continue to have, the impact on people. You mentioned the three kids, you know, two boys, 
same thing, two boys now. I've got a future diva on the way as well. But I'll tell you, Andre, for our audience, for the win the day community, hearing your journey, seeing the testimony, and really just the words that you've spoken, whether folks want to go into law, these are themes and messages that will propel them and really help them to unlock the it factor, which ultimately you have, have, you know, the golden key, so to speak, uh, as to, you know, the way you've navigated your career. But as we start to close, the one thing I did want to touch on is, and you've seen this probably through your career, but, but you mentioned the involvement and just kind of the passion you have for, you know, equity in the workplace, diversity, how it's impacted things. Can you give some perspective, Andre, on just, you know, how you approach the diversity conversation, what that looks like, and just any advice you give to young professionals looking to, you know, create a narrative or, or really just embrace the, the evolving landscape and culture that should be accepted across all walks, but just some guidance you have uh, in that realm. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a big proponent of diversity. I, I feel like uh, we are a world comprised of a lot of different people with a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different experiences, a lot of different exposures, and certainly a lot of different opportunities. And we can't be successful if we don't take all those into account. If we take one into account, that is really downtrodden or depressing upon the rest of the group. It doesn't speak for the group as a whole. And the phrase that we used to always use at Ogletree, we are better together. So uh, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of diversity. Uh, it's nice to have someone who looks like you and have the same experiences as you next to you or in the room or in the pipeline behind you. I have sat in a lot of rooms that, you know, I don't have common lawyer people who look like me or talk like me or had the experiences that I had. And I'm grateful for that, but I also recognize that it's incumbent upon me to make sure I create that opportunity for those behind me to also sit in the room, to create that space for someone else to also sit beside me and have a familiar face. And I'm grateful to those who hook me in the position to be in those rooms to begin with because I act as allies in that respect. And so, you know, I have to say I, I'm a big proponent of it by the same token you know, in putting yourself out there, me putting myself out there, I want to work with someone who's receptive to it, not someone who feels entitled to have it or, you know, just need to be there because they want to be there. And in any situation where I've been offered a spot to be somewhere just as the way I look or where I'm at or et cetera, any spot like that, but no one really wants to hear what I have to say, I've pushed back on it. I've separated myself from it. I got enough on my plate. You, you heard me talk about all the things I have going on. And I will be the first to say no to something which is a skill I had to learn. And it's a skill I'm still learning. But I will be the first to say no to something if I'm only there to check a box, right? So uh, that's the way I approach things. I try to create opportunities for others. I want to make sure they're receptive and engaged. And I want to make sure I give exposure to those who don't have those similar experiences. So at the end of the day, like I said, we could be better together. Well, it's, it's great advice. Uh, obviously, you have a full plate. I know you've got a big appetite uh, and, and plenty of things to do uh, throughout the day, the year, et cetera. That, you know, a tremendous career ahead of you. But, you know, and I appreciate your, your openness in sharing that, Andre, because I'm also a big believer. Yeah, you know, diversity brings different 
thought, different perspectives, which ultimately create synergy and alignment to win the day. Uh, but you also touched on performance creates that opportunity. Um, so, so those were just some themes I took through, throughout your commentary. You know, in closing, Andre, uh, are there any things that we really haven't touched on or, or any other pearls or just perspectives you'd like to leave our community with? I think I've covered it. I, I just want to say thanks for the opportunity. I mean, again, we were roommates how long ago? It's been almost 15 years. And to be able to just reconnect, have an adult conversation, which is a far departure from the conversations we were having back in 2008. Uh, I'm glad to see how successful you are. I'm happy for you. Uh, you know, if I can ever do anything for you, please let me know. And, and, and I say that for anyone. I love engagement and interaction. I love being a resource. I also love resources. I, I will say this, and this is a, a large part of my fabric. Uh, I talk to a lot of people, but I keep a small circle. And you know, I think it's important to identify who your circle is. You want people who are cheerleaders, not yes men. And I've surrounded myself with some cheerleaders who will cheer for me in those moments while I'm successful, but they will call me out. And I'm not doing what I need to do. And I think that's made me a more well-rounded, better person. So I'd say find your find your cheerleaders. Find that circle, develop it. Iron sharpens iron. I'm a big proponent of it. Um, and then one last thing, I have to say this, okay? Imposter syndrome. How much is that coming up right now and, and being pervasive? Um, I'll make a plug if it's okay with you. My college roommate, um, wrote a book called activate your words and it speaks to imposter syndrome i was very fortunate to write the foreword for it um i would encourage anyone to check that book out it's a quick read but really it speaks to a lot of where we are in these conversations we're having because there's going to be a moment where that doubt creeps in and i'm not capable i mean i had that moment last week with some of the stuff i have going on but keep challenging myself find a way to fight through and and you've proven yourself over and over in the past. So why can't you be successful now? Uh, once they put that doubt behind you and keep pressing forward. So that was, that was my last closing. I told you a lawyer, you gotta be careful. I'll talk all day. <laughs> no, well, I, I think I, I could listen all day, but I think for our audience, Andre, your words have activated something inside each and every one of them to win the day. I will leave you with this, and I think this is something that will resonate with yourself, and, and obviously our audience knows how we close. We rise, we grind, we shine, we impact. If it ends in why, we choose to win the day. Andre Caldwell, thank you for joining us for our Win the Day community. I know you were inspired, and continued success to you, Andre, and, and more to come uh, for, for future endeavors with Boeing as you continue to win the day.